Welcome back to Range Anxiety. It's that time of the week again. It's a weekend Sunday session. And I'm sitting here today. I'm up at the Ashton Cold Store in the hills taking the uh, Model 3 Performance all-wheel drive for a bit of a run. As the weather sets in, it's a bit damp up here. And yeah, amazing thing. Amazing amount of traction. Great torque management. And thanks to Hot Chocolate for everyone's a winner. What a great track that was from the disco era. However, again, it has something to do with today's Epicast because we're going to talk about winners. And you guessed it, last night was Roll Racing 10 at the Bend Motorsport Park. And my little bunch of cohorts, workers, friends, business partners from Powertech Tuning went and smashed it again. Uh, we're making a habit of it. That's... Uh, four out of ten that's we haven't entered all of them so i reckon we have a 50 percent chance if we enter that we'll get first place 100 percent chance that we're in the top three and most importantly for the winner which was john munro my good friend and partner in his businessman's pack r35 gdr most importantly for him when i was doing the stats i worked out that if he enters a roll racing event in his r35 and I don't attend, which I don't like doing, then he has a 100% chance of winning the event. So there you go, John. I hope you're listening. You know what to do. Stay at home. Hashtag stay at home. Hashtag it could save GDR lives. It could get you some more trophies. Not that you actually even get a trophy for roll racing. So what did we do to the cars before this event? Um, John came up in the final against... Uh, little juice coupe or whatever it is, 32 high boy. I'm not too good at those wheelbarrows, um, old school things like that. Looks cool, you know, it's a good thing. And it's got these massive steamroller tyres on it now that are about, I don't know, they look to be about 20 inches wide. It's sort of crazy looking thing. It, it kind of looks like a cross between um, Dragula out of the Munsters and uh, which I hope the boys that own it take as a compliment so that was a cool car, I think that was Grandpa's car, Dragula, and and some sort of demented steamroller with some big block blown, whatever it is in it. Um, they found some more traction in that thing and so they gave us a bit of a push and they actually, I think from the video I can see it was a touch and go one but it did beat um, uh, John's brother Danny, Danny Munro's Audi R8 in the um, semi so we had two cars in the top three but what did we do to them to make them faster okay the short answer is nothing haven't touched them well maybe that's not quite true no it's not quite true we did under great duress because last roll racing meet john did 17 runs or something he worked out and i keep rattling it into him every time I talk to him about the car that he's the luckiest man in the world because those things have got transmissions made of glass and I don't care how built they are they all stuff up at time to time and if that doesn't the front wheel drive clutch wheel or the front wheel drive tail shaft wheel or the front diff wheel or the front drive shafts wheel or wheel bearing will fail you know what I mean GDRs you know are the gift that keeps on giving in the failure department when you've got them at 1500 odd horsepower plus as is any production car so john made us put it on the hoist so i got gareth to put it on the hoist it's his baby he built it he built it originally back in 2016 or 17 and he built the latest incarnation of it now so who better to check it over 
I don't know what I'm looking at anyway. Um, put it up on the hoist. I, it was up there for such little time. I didn't even get a chance to come down out of my ivory tower at Powertech and take a look under it. I said, Gareth, is everything all right? He goes, yep, nope, dry as a bone. I said, is anything hanging off it? Nope. Did all the bolts seem tight? He goes, the ones I checked did. Oh, okay. What did you check? He goes, all the critical stuff, tail shaft, drive shafts, you know, all of the things that can fall off and kill you. I said, right, and it's totally dry under there, is it? Yep. Is the gearbox weeping? No. Alrighty then. Uh, did you lift the bonnet? Yep. Did you check the brake fluid? Yep. Did you, oh, yep. What about the wiper washer fluid? Oh, no, I didn't check that. So I made him check that. But that's it. It took about, honestly, 15 minutes of work. And it was ready to go on the trailer. Oh, we did fix one thing on it, though. Sorry, you see, well, I remind myself, but it didn't need the hoist for this. Last roll racing meet, uh, I may have, oh, I may have already mentioned it, but one of the front indicators come flying out of the the thing, which they do on the corners. Um, anyone that owns an R35 GDR knows those things are held in by more good luck, good faith, and good wishes than any proper listen design of a clamp system to hold them. You reckon we could get a bloody front indicator for the stupid thing anyway? I think what had happened is because John's got some, you know, reasonable meats on it now in the form of M&H drag radials all round, I think that sort of as it, as it squats and as he's hit the brakes at the end of the track, these high sidewall things have just picked up the corner of the indicator, flicked it out of the front bar. Again, those that know GDRs will know exactly what I'm talking about here. Flicked it out of the front bar. It's still connected to the wiring loom. It's flown around and right on top of the flat surface of the front guard, because it's still connected by the wiring loom, it's flowing around and going, ding, with the sharp edge, straight into the guard, put a pin dent in it, bloody thing. Well, anyway, it's just gone for freedom down the track somewhere. Someone probably picked it up in a tyre or in their radiator or, or an intercooler later. If you did and it destroyed it, uh, I'll give you John's email at the end of this epicast, and you can send him the invoice. Actually, what happens on a racetrack? Stiff shit. It's your problem. Okay. Getting indicators. Cigar test ring. Listen to get some more, will you? Well, yeah, eight, ten weeks or something like that. It was going to be some massive amount of time before we could do that to get them. And, you know, the race meet wasn't that far away. So I said, uh, Gareth, get on Wish or eBay and order just some cheap shit things we can stick in there. I mean, you don't want to take a car like the businessman's pack uh, 35 GDR out and have them, you know, have it looking like a one-eyed monster at the front. It just looks shit. And, you know, we're all about the looks. Um, more on that bit later too um so turned out we can only get them from england so we got these things from england and they, they i think they've come to england they've come to australia via england straight from wish how's on would be loving this i mean he's been pretty quiet on the epicast lately i don't think mum will let him out to talk to me anymore or his other mate uh Phelpsy, whiplash um so we got these things from england and of course you know, they're LED and they've got fancy, stupid bits on them. They're not just a normal indicator. They've got daytime running bits and all the pins are wrong. And so he had to grind them and push them. So we didn't want to cut things on the original car. And anyway, Gareth got them in. So yeah, indicators. And we give them a big, heavy dose of like fixing sealant to hold them in place no matter what happens. I do believe on late, late, late model GDRs have got extra clips in them from the factory. They realise this is a problem too, just not for mad roll racers like John. So anyway, why why were both cars actually faster? The GDR significantly so, and um, the Audi a fair bit 
as well than they were last time. I mean, we didn't really get a chance to see the Audi in full flight last meeting, Roll Racing 9, because the reverse camera locked on and Danny couldn't get at his settings and was some stuff up in the start and he just cruised it through and lost. This time there was a nose in it, if that, to the, you know, the blow and high boy. And, and obviously now we know there's a nose in it. We will wind that thing up a bit more and put that thing back into 1932 where it rightfully belongs. Um, easy enough to do. So... The cars got faster, and again, why did they get faster? Because they adapted to the surface of the track. Again, torque management, particularly the Audi, because it has a more um, sophisticated torque management strategy, as we've covered before, than the GDR. I have, you know, had a look at advanced traction in the GDR, and I think that's something, if we lay some more power into it, um, if we race it again for a while, we, we may not race next round in that car, because... It's just pointless. It's kind of it, it, how many times do you want to win? It's one, one out of ten events. That actual car's won three times now. It would have been four if it didn't run out of fuel in number one because John ran the tank empty and the triple fuel pump in it. He didn't run it empty, just anything under quarter. It, you know, it gets a bit funny in high G situations and <coughs> coughs and splutters, and that is enough in roll racing to cost you the event, and it did. So, yeah, that car's getting a bit boring out there. There will be, you know, every time there's more and more competition. But it's just like any other form of practice where once you've got your torque management down pat and you've actually got the car working to the conditions and the track, which I reckon we have now, we understand what those conditions are, how they change over the time of the event, because we've done a lot of these events, we understand how they change throughout the months and seasons as well. Here come some temporary Australians. Listen to that. Yeah and rubbish um we know how to dial in and out and and more to the point because i don't want to confuse the drivers and give them too many things to do we let the talk we set the talk management of the cars up to dial them in and out of the track automatically and you see that's the key that's how people win races that's how all top level motorsport is done if the rules allow it in this case there are no rules it's roll racing run what you brung pretty much they reckon there's rules but i've never seen any enforced but then again i don't go anymore either which is super cool i just get to sit at home have a couple of uh, light beers and um get updates from my friends and watch live streams which is the best way to be i don't have to drive home two hours through the night dodging kangaroos uh, to enjoy all the fun of the you know atmosphere of being there so yeah we you know the cars are kind of self-dialing now which is pretty cool which allows the driver then to practice their skill set and as much as you need a good car in roll racing, you need a bloody good driver. You need someone that's switched onto the conditions. I mean, right, the light goes green, you put your foot down and away you go and you win. If you do that, and that's your mindset, you're never gonna win one of these things. I don't care how good your car is, you're just never gonna win. It is a high stakes battle of um, brinkmanship at the start. You've got to know exactly when to engage and disengage your rolling anti-lag if you're a turbo car, which both of ours are. You see, because if once you've picked your start speed and you've locked your rolling anti-lag in, you can't accelerate. The whole idea of rolling anti-lag is to hold you at a fixed speed, which both of our systems do, the Cyvex system and the Cobb system do, very, very, very effectively. They hold you there and they lock you there, and if someone alongside you speeds up, then you've got a time letting go of the button just right so that you're there when the light goes green. 
You know, it is really quite tricky. And both of our guys now have had enough practice, John and Danny Munro, have had enough practice that they are real weapons at this, right? And this is where they win most of their races. Yes, they've got, you know, cars that are pushing a 1,000 horsepower at the crank, or John's is, you know, pushing 1,500 horsepower at the crank. But they're also pulling massive weight. You know, I think the Audi would be around 1,700, 1,800 kilos, and the GDR is two-ton plus um, with driver. And, you know, they're up against things that are making 1,000 horsepower at the wheels that weigh 900 kilos or 1,000 kilos. So in within rights, there is no way power to weight that either of our cars should get anywhere near winning, uh, winning one of these events. But they do because it's the whole synergy of how they work. Those of you that watch professional motorsport, like, let's have a look at V8 supercars. Like, let's go back to 2019 when Scotty McLaughlin was winning in the DJR Mustangs. Those teams just had a synergy and made those cars work. They weren't particularly better, I suppose, in any way than, than any of the other cars. It's such a closely controlled series. But driver, car, package, and setup was what made the difference of them winning like two championships back-to-back -back versus being in the midfield. I mean, they're struggling this year a little. And again, because that synergy's been broken, driver changes, uh, team changes, and, you know, they will get there. So I'm sure my good mate Rob Herrod will get them there. That's what he does. Another good example is Mercedes-AMG Formula One. They're just unstoppable because of the synergy they have. And that's why you know, everyone goes, oh, Bottas, you know, you should throw him out. He's not a fast enough driver. He's not the best driver. However, he is a very important part of the structure of that team. And he is a very important part of the number one driver, Lewis Hamilton's mindset. You see, the last thing Lewis wants is, you know, like a Verstappen or even a Perez, you know, or a George Russell. Perfect example. Good, good work last year, Georgie. Um, breathing down his neck because that upsets the equilibrium of the entire team. And we're like that at the moment too. We know exactly how many times to run the cars in qualifying. We're no Mercedes, AMG, Formula One team. But I suppose our approach to roll racing in South Australia is one of the most calculated, let's say. You know, the idea is to run up and look like it's country carnival and have everyone smiling and shaking hands. And what would you do to the cars this week? Oh, not much. Well, truth be told, we, we didn't for these events. But the idea is to have a plan and to execute the plan. And if you execute the plan and everything goes to plan, then you will win the event, providing nothing breaks. And that is exactly how it's working for us at this point in time. So we're, we've been on the upswing. We are on the top of this game right now. You know, we've put a lot of effort into it and a lot of thought into it. But now we're going to change things around. We're going to change the cars around. Um, it's not because we want to give anybody else a chance uh, but I think it does get too boring just like Formula 1 and V8 supercars if the same people keep winning but we want to try and win with different platforms I would really really like to win with a V8 we've won with a V6 and a V10 we've never won with a V8 so we'll go you know V6 V8 V10 and after that we'll probably try with the four cylinder so we can get everything and the V8 we're going to choose is the C7 Corvette package you know, ridiculously hard because it's a sports car and we're going to be running standard suspension in it and it's a 50-50 weight distributions car, so it's not a real squatter. Um, and it's going to be standard internal, LT4. So, you know, we got all of these things sort of going against us to make it win, and that's good. So we're going to have to be, you know, on our game, have some good traction management, um, some good torque management, some good control, some good tuning, and try and put a V8 up there somewhere near or near about the top step. Um, 
it would be really, really good to see. And, you know, through a seven-speed manual, if Johnny Boy or Danny can do that, then they deserve everything that's coming to them in terms of winners. Four cylinders, <clears throat> we might have a look at our Subaru platform. We have a pretty crazy six-speed sequential crash CNC billet block Subi that makes some pretty good power, a V-A-S-T-I, sitting there in the collection. Yeah, if you didn't know that, you do know it now. We've had it for a little while, and it's just a lot of fun. You know, we've had it out the track doing other things, but to set it up for a bit of racing, you know, roll racing, we can sort of fill in some of the torque holes that it has and do some things with it and maybe scare a couple of the V8s and GDRs with that. I mean, it happens interstate with Evo, so why can't it happen here with a Subaru? Well, why not? Especially if we can get hold of some of um, Crest CNCs. <clears throat> Are you listening, Chris? Billet cylinder heads, the one that we're on, the Travis Pastrana, <laughs> that didn't sound too good, true, did it? The Travis Pastrana um, sort of Hoonigan car. Uh, yeah, that had one of uh, Chris's from Chris CNC engines, cylinder heads, uh, and everything on it. We would like the same thing, thanks. And then we would like to put 500 horsepower of gas on it. And then we would like to win roll racing. Why the hell not? And of course, finally. The real thing is, and I want to upset everybody because we did take the Model S out, the, the, the Raven, a few times towards the start of the event, and I drove it, and I reckon we got, you know, fifths, fourths. We never got a third in it. Took drag cars, you know, with engine swaps and NOS and, you know, all sorts of things that weighed, you know, the same weight as a VHS cassette case for those that are old enough to know what a VHS cassette is. We're going to go back in a, a Tesla Model S played or played plus when um, Big Daddy pulls his finger out in the States and actually puts one of the things on a boat to us. And yeah, I, I think if we can win with an EV, which we will definitely do, it's only a matter of a set of light wheels and a little bit of tuning away. I mean, these things are allegedly trapping the eights at 160 mile an hour out the box, dead stock, um, with no interruption of gear shifts and perfect torque management. That shouldn't be too hard. So yeah, that's our plan, to win across a wide variety of disciplines and keep, you know, keep the variety up and keep it exciting. There's no point in continually going out in the same car and winning. That's not being cocky. That's not being arrogant. It's just saying, let's just keep it interesting for everyone, including, you know, our competitors as well as us. You know, spread the love around. I mean, I was a bit upset that John took his McLaren 650S out there which is hard-tuned, you know, big system on it, needs some turbos, but that thing would have been quick had he run it through to the finals. But no, he picked his GDR and ran that through to the finals, which is great. Now, on to other news. That's roll racing done for today, a whole, like, 19 and a half minutes of it. I didn't realise I could rabbit on about that stuff for that long, but seriously, deep down, secretly, I do enjoy it. Secondly, we're going to... Um, Talk about, I got some feedback from HBOM. As soon as I, I put up that ep epicast about hydrogen, I had people, uh, it, you know, it just started happening in all directions. There's a, there's a hydrogen refueling station opened in Canberra. Bring on your non-existent hydrogen cars. And I looked into that and people that I'm working with are going, Martin, you could be wrong about hydrogen. They're opening, you know, they're opening a, a fueling station in Canberra, the nation's capital, right? What lives in the nation's capital? politicians. What do politicians do? Fund crazy alternative fuel projects. But who funded this one? Apparently this was actually funded by Hyundai. Um, which I think is quite funny really. Because, oh there goes a 993 Porsche. 
Oh, lovely. I hope your head studs don't fall out on the way past. So I think they've got some liquid in them too, those things. They do leak. Um, yeah, Hyundai, one of the biggest players in the EV game, who are putting all of that effort into v EV, are trying to honeydick the federal government by putting in a hydrogen refueling station, which, you know, then they've got to start making the hydrogen uh, to put in it. But don't worry. That might, hydrogen supply won't be a problem for this fueling station because there are no cars that use it. I think it's the Hyundai Nexo or Nixo or Nero or whatever it's called. There's that thing. And there's the Toyota Mirai. You know, Toyota are still desperately paddling their hybrid and hydrogen canoe while they're building an entire fleet of EVs in the background to bring onto public sale. Yes, that's right. I had a look at these things and you can only lease them. You can't even own these things. So they're only there to honey dick government departments into buying them, you know, to run the federal fleet on. Hence the hydrogen refueling uh, station in Canberra. How bloody cynical and stupid is this? Like, and, and then our state government here releases an article in the advertising called Hydrogen Boom. I might have covered it the other day, but we're making all of this hydrogen and we're going to export it all around the world. I think I did cover that, but it needs recovering. And, you know, and I've got concerned people ringing me that I'm working on some projects with saying, Martin, I, I think I think we're tripped up here. I, I don't think, I think hydrogen's going to be the way to go. If you listen, listen. <laughs> if you listen to the media and, and you listen to the government, media, government, government, media, same thing. We've learned this throughout COVID. Um, you would believe it; it's somewhere to go, but and and it's going to happen. But you can't ever take your eyes off the basic facts, and the fact is that it's an energy negative process to make hydrogen. And for those of you that don't understand, I'll put this in layman's terms for you. Let's say we have to make, and I'll try and use the right numbers. Let's just say we have to make 38 cents worth of energy or hydrogen gas. 38 cents worth. To do that, we need to spend $1.50 in gas, steam, electrolysis, electricity. So we've got to spend $1.50 or so to make, or a dollar to make 38 cents. Do you see now why it's the most stupid, harebrained idea that ever existed? And we will keep getting it rammed down our throats. Because apparently, in South Australia, we have massive, massive hydrogen reserves. We don't. We have massive natural gas reserves uh, run by people like Lee Creek, or, or coming to, to fruition by people like Lee Creek Energy and other ASX listed and government involved um, companies like that. <clears throat> They've got to spend so much of this gas to make a little bit of hydrogen. What about we put it into like other things like uh, gas-fired power plants or um, barbecues? I mean, who doesn't like a good barbecue bottle? Well, some of the people I know that recharge air conditioning, they'll put natural gas in that or barbecue gas. Yeah, well, we won't go into that. However, I'm just saying it's a stupid idea. Prove me wrong. If you know what you're talking about, prove I'm stupid. So upcoming, what do we have? My new project I'm working on. We actually have some good project and tech news coming up over the next few Epicasts. Having said that, though, we're into Epicast 82 now. And I'm tipping around the year mark we're going to be up at Epicast around about 100. And I think... At Epicast 100, depending on your feedback, we've got lots of great listeners. Um, 
you know, that want us to transition to YouTube. I have been doing some YouTube stuff uh, lately for PowerTech Tuning. I'm thinking at Epicast 100, we may take a bit of a break for a while, a couple of months while I, I get to work on some other projects, but that will be up to you to decide. You have to send me your feedback. You have to tell me what it is you want me to do. Regardless of what that is, I'm sure I'll get some funny ones. Send me feedback to DTEC, D-T-E-C-H, at S-E-N-E-T, S -E -N -E -T, dot com, dot A-U, and let me know whether I should stay just that little bit longer. Thanks for listening.